0: life in 3d some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the lord our god you can fill in all kinds of stuff there some trust in big bank accounts and their abilities some will trust their political parties and their agendas life just has a way of pulling us off of our focus you for listening to sozo church in spokane washington for more information on sozo church visit sozospokane.com he doesn't say he doesn't do what religion does which says if you behave the right way then you can belong to the family he says, if you belong to the family, I'm committed to teaching you to live like the family. See, that's, that's the difference. That's the commitment. That's why the gospel has to come first. For too long, we've got the discipleship piece in front of the gospel piece. This is Sozo Church. This morning, um, we're going to go ahead and continue in our series, uh, Life in 3D, um, I'm excited about this series because I feel like um, it's really easy, as that video pointed out to us, to lose focus and to kind of wonder why we're doing what we're doing, what's going on. Um, I've heard that there's three things that make vision leak, make us lose focus on vision, regardless what your vision might be, if you've ever had a goal or a vision. I've heard it said there's three things that make uh, us not reach those goals, uh, ultimately, is uh, successes, make us lose sight of the goals, you have little successes along the way, and then you think you're doing good, so you give up, come on, on the big goal, anybody ever had that happen to them before, have like a little bit, you, if you're like me, and you're always trying to get in better shape, you do good for like a week, and then you reward yourself with like a pie, <laughs> the whole thing, um, so, they say success makes us not reach our ultimate goals. They say failure does. You, you, you stumble, you don't have a good week, so to make yourself feel better, you eat a pie. Um, but ultimately, they say there's a third thing as well, and that's everything in between. Life just has a way of pulling us off of our focus. I, I wanna make sure I publicly say this as often as I can. Uh, if I ever say anything from here that's not in here, ignore it. Uh, my opinion doesn't matter. God's word matters, amen? Uh, we're just gonna read a few verses here uh, just in opening uh, just to kind of get a framework for where we're going today and then we'll jump into our main passage later. But Psalm 20 verse seven says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Somebody needs to take that down and, and write it on a piece of paper and stick it on your mirror in the morning and remind yourself of that right now, amen? Amen? You can fill in all kinds of stuff there. Some trust in big bank accounts and their abilities, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some people trust in their political parties and their agendas, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen? Uh, Which is good because Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted speaking to God. And last but not least, before we pray, Ephesians 1, 20 through 21, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your living, active, breathing word. God, we thank you that we are not left to wonder, we are not left to wander, we are not left isolated and alone, but we are left with a true and a sure word that we can build our lives on. So God, this morning we, we come to you desperate and needy and ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, take your written word, the, the word on the, the pages of your Bible and do that thing that you do, Holy Spirit, where you breathe life into them to us, cause them to deep within our hearts, transform the very very nature of who we are. God, we're not interested in just behavior modification. We want to be transformed by you. We want to love you more than we've ever loved you. We want to follow you more fervently than we ever have. We want to honor you more fully than we ever have. God, be glorified and be honored in our lives by transforming us in the power of your word. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Um, we're calling this series um, Life in 3D. Life in 3D, the, the basis of this series is really trying to look at how it is that we feel as elders and pastors that God has called us to function as a church, why we exist and how we are called to exist. And as we sort of talked about this and discussed it as a staff, we, we realized that really it's a challenge to all of us to engage in all of these areas. It's much like uh, life. In, in, if you want to live life in one dimension, it gets kind of boring. If you want to live life in two dimensions, it's still not as rich and as full as it should be. God designed us to see in three dimensions, with depth and with color and with height and, and, and with width. And so God wants us to see in that way. And God wants your life with him not to be one-dimensional, Come on, am I the only one that's willing to admit that that once in a while, come on, I have made the mistake of saying, man, following Jesus can get boring. And and when my, as, as a pastor, when I was a youth pastor for years, you've heard me say this before, my response to young people when they would tell me, man, this youth ministry is boring, I would look at them and say, no, you're boring. Because this youth ministry is you. I'm old, you're young, you're the youth ministry, I'm not the youth ministry. So you're the one who's boring. And that seems like I'm being mean. But really, in reality, if if our life in Christ is boring to us, it's we that are the problem. It's our perception. And and what I wanted to try to do in this series is is expand our idea of what it means to live as a community and and, and breathe as a community and function uh, as a community and as a household of God. So um, we've been looking at what we call our three directives. See where we get the 3D? We're clever. Um, so our three direct, we're not clever. Um, our three directives, uh, we feel this is what God's called us to do. This is it and nothing more and absolutely nothing less. We feel we are called to preach the gospel of Jesus to everyone in Spokane. No exceptions, no substitutions. I know you're like, but not my neighbor who forgets to take out his trash all the time and then is in the yard. I don't have to preach the gospel to him, do I? Yeah, you do. Everyone in Spokane. We talked about that last week. This week, we're going to dive into uh, our, our, our directive, our call to produce genuine disciples of Jesus. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about partnering in the global mission of Jesus. Um, this producing genuine disciples is such a big part of what we do that we're actually taking two weeks to talk about this. I'm going to talk this week uh, sort of broadly about the call on the church and the call on this church to produce disciples and then we're going to get into some of the specifics of how we do that as a church um, next Sunday in our All In Sunday and look at different uh, ministries and different things that we have. But um, to unpack this just really quickly, um, these are the three ways we feel called to produce genuine disciples through a commitment to Christ-exalting, gospel-centered, Spirit-empowered Bible preaching. Um, sometimes we think, well, isn't that how we do evangelism? We, we, we preach for evangelism. No, it, How many of you know this is going to change your life? sitting under this kind of of Christ-exalting, gospel-centered, spirit-powered Bible preaching, not not opinion preaching, not political preaching, not personal preaching, not I-pick-what-topic-I-want-to-hammer-on-and-just-beat-on-that-for-a-while preaching, but where we open the Bible and hear what God has to say. Amen? We believe that is one of the primary ways God transforms our lives, through hearing his word preached. We also feel... That we will do this through a call to intentional, consistent personal involvement in community, both formally and relationally. So this is where we get into um, what we call as a church our B4 structure. Can you say B4? B4, get it B4? There are four Bs. Uh, We we, we call them begin, belong, believe, and build. And if you're interested in learning about those, come tonight. I'm going to talk about them at our our team night. I'm not going to get into it right now for the most part but um, that's what we mean but also we believe that one of the primary means that God transforms us is through relationship through being connected with other believers being connected with other followers of Christ where we learn to follow him as we build relationship with one another and we do that not just sort of on the side when we have time but we do it intentionally and we do it consistently amen and last but not least um, and no one likes this one And I mean that, no one likes this one. Um, Through a compassionate exercising of church discipline as prescribed by Jesus in the New Testament. um, I don't like church discipline. I don't like to do it, but I love its outcome. Right? It's sort of like exercise. (laughs) Right? Like it's not fun while you're doing it, but the outcome's sort of nice. So church discipline is something that God has given us as a church to help form and fashion us into his image. It's not done to be mean. It's not done to be belittling. It's not done to beat people up. It's not done to limit people. It's done to raise people up into the image of Christ. Amen? Okay, so I'm gonna talk about B4 later. I'm gonna skip all that because I don't have time. So if you've got a Bible, um, here's what I wanna do. I, I told you we were gonna do this last week, and, and I'm gonna be a man of my word and do it this week. Um, this whole idea right, of the, the three directives of a church, the purpose of a church. When we planted Sozo, um, the, the church plant part of our church a while back, it was a question I got a lot. Well, What's your vision? And, and at first, I, I try to like, you know, you try to say it, you try to communicate it, and I understand what people are asking, and I fully get why that's important. But on, on a broader sense, um, I didn't start the church. And neither did you. And neither did the guy that was before me, or the guy that was before him, or the guy that was before him, or the guy that was before him. Jesus started the church, so Jesus gets to be the one that sets its purpose. Okay, he designed it, he envisioned it, it was his idea, so he sets its purpose. So really, all guys like me are doing is trying to take this and make it sound cool. Like 4B, that's just bad. So what we want to do this morning is look at this. Let's look at what Jesus said, amen? Let's look at what he called us to do and really dive into it and hopefully explain why we're doing what we're doing. Because last week we talked about evangelism. We talked about preaching the gospel, how we are called as a church to preach the gospel to everyone in Spokane. But I wanna make a statement right now so that we understand this. I had to go there to get us to here. The purpose of evangelism, the purpose of gospel proclamation is discipleship we don't we don't just we don't just try to get people to pray a prayer and then okay we're good we're done we don't just try to get people to check a box on a card that i committed to christ cool okay go along it's it's, it's almost like uh we've, we've become so obsessed with with uh, the birth process that we forget about raising kids And I, I fear that in the church, and, and as a pastor, I'm not judging the church. I'm trying to just, just speak the truth in love and say as, a ch- as, as the church, I, I fear that the best picture of us right now is just a movement of people having as many babies as possible and just leaving them at the hospital and hoping they figure out how to raise themselves. Can I just tell you, when, when, when our first uh, child was born, Ad- Adonai was born. She's, she'll be 16 in a couple weeks now. When she was born, many of you know she had some, some uh, complications. She had a, a stroke and some seizures, and, and we had to leave her at the hospital. They wouldn't let us stay. They kicked us out, and she had to stay there. And I can tell you, I mean, nobody taught me to be this way. Nobody had to instruct me in this. There was something wrong about that. It did. I remember my wife and I laying in our bed. We, 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 we didn't live all that far away from, from, the, from the hospital, but there was just something off about it can i tell you when we when we're obsessed with just birthing spiritual people and getting them to pray even genuinely i'm not denying maybe some of these are genuine conversions but then we just leave them there and we wonder why they their, their conversion wasn't real they're not even growing i check on them like once a month they go back to the hospital and the baby's still just like it's sick it's wrong but it's what we're doing, and so I want to make sure that we don't just get excited and be a church that's excited about, about the, the gospel proclamation response and people repenting and coming to faith, and baptism is awesome, and we love it, amen? It's, it should be celebrated. <laughs> Let me make sure I'm clear on this. I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate when people have babies, okay? When we have babies, we should celebrate. It's a good reason to celebrate. But, but it's really the start of a lifetime of labor and work. Can I get some amens from some parents, Please. Come on, I'm 16 years in, pray for me. Okay? So, so, so the purpose of evangelism is discipleship. If we're going to be committed to gospel proclamation, we have to be committed to discipleship. Amen? None of this, well, we're a church that reaches people and other churches can raise them. Try that with your kids. <laughs> All right, let's get to the word. Um, Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority, how much authority? All. all authority, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he said. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Square that off. Highlight, circle, underline. That's going to be our last week in the series. We're going to talk about all nations. Amen? Because we got a call to the nations. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This isn't in my notes. This isn't in my message. This is extra. Can you just stop for a second and realize? That line right there means the entire Godhead. The whole trinity is involved in the discipleship process. You just stop and let that bake your noodle for a second. God isn't like, well, I'll just leave this to part of me, or I'll just leave this to my kids, or I'll just leave this to some angels over here. No, he said all all of it, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all involved in this process of making disciples. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So all I want to do this morning is just walk through this passage together. Can we do that? It's an old school Bible study. Can we just hang out together, study the Bible, learn some stuff, and hopefully be transformed by the power of his grace? Amen? Amen. So life in 3D, we're talking about discipleship, and, and, and where we have to start is where Jesus starts. Jesus says, Jesus has all authority. All of it. All authority. This is important because if, if if we don't start here, then this is what evangelism, this is what discipleship, this is what this whole mission turns into. Let's go win the world for Jesus. He already did that. He did it. It's done. The victory has been. You don't get to win the victory. I love you. He already did it, he won the victory. All authority has been given to me, he says. The victory has already been won. We don't do this to gain authority for him. We do this because he has authority. He says, he says all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, because I have authority, that's why I'm calling you to go. I'm not asking you to go get me authority. I'm telling you I have it, so go. Now, before I dive any further, we need to... Make sure we understand something in in this passage and in this, and and sort of, uh, how many people loved English class in junior high? You people are sick. I'm pretty sure that the the people who taught English in junior high just sat up at night and thought of rules to apply to the English language to ruin 7th and 8th graders' lives. It was in 7th and 8th grade that I learned how to diagram a sentence. I thought I had died and gone to hell. But it's somewhat useful now. So... um, Unlike, unlike the devil's work of putting the alphabet in math, that's not useful to me at all. That's what Google's for. You, know, you can just punch in math problems and it just gives you the answer. It's like, thank you, Google. Um, so Jesus says, came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay, take that right there. We need to understand something about this because this is gonna kind of be applicable to everything I said this morning. The, the action that we're called to do is not go, it's make disciples. Do you understand that from English? Diagram the sentence in your head real fast. Okay, a bunch of you are starting to cry. Don't do it. So, um, the, Jesus is not saying, I have all authority, so go. He's saying, I have all authority, make disciples. And in order to make disciples, you may have to go. Here's another way to put it I have all authority. So make disciples as you go. Do you, you catch that? We, we get obsessed with the going. I'm going to go. It's like a, a kid I met two weeks ago, hanging out at Starbucks, so that had a Bible, came up, starts talking to me, and he's like, yeah, man, uh, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I, how about you? He said, yeah, man, I just, I just did a missions trip down to Mexico. It's like, man, that is awesome. What would you do? Well, we, we drove down from here and we stopped at Disneyland, <laughs> hung at Disneyland for like a day, and then we drove down to Mexico, and we like met some Mexicans, and um, we like painted a uh, kids' like, like school thing, and then we like hung out at the beach, and then uh, we hit up like a six-figon on the way back, and then we were back. I wanted a mission trip. <laughs> I don't think you did. It's like it was a mission trip. I wanted to quote, <laughs> "You keep using that word." I don't think it means what you think it means. You you go, but you didn't make disciples. <laughs> you you that's not that's not that's not the point. The going isn't the point. It's the making disciples that's the point. Are you with me? You got to get that as we as we walk through this. So Jesus says, Jesus says I want you to go. I want you to make disciples because all authority has been given to me, he says. I, I have all the authority. This is why I'm sending you, to, you, you, you out. It's why I'm telling you to go. It's why I'm telling you to make disciples. I've been, I've been victorious. I have fulfilled my mission. Now go proclaim the fulfillment of my mission. I have all authority, he says. Now that means, why it's important to start here, is that means as you go, you know the victory has already been won. Are you hearing me? We're not, we're not trying to conjure up or, or, or do anything where we, we have to fulfill it. The, the fulfillment of his purpose and his mission rests on him. Our role is obedience, which we're going to get to here in a minute, but, but we've got to understand that his, his authority holding means we can rest in him, means we can rely on him. The Father gave him his authority according to the scriptures, According to the Gospel, you can see that in Matthew 11 and in John 3, um, that the Father gives authority to the Son. And then from that place of authority, Jesus says, I now commission you to go. So can I ask you a question real fast? Do you live from a place of knowing that he rules and reigns, that all authority has been given to him? Or do you live in a place where you think you got to figure some stuff out and make some stuff happen? And... It's just a question. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Um, the next thing I notice as I look through this passage, we're just walking through the Bible here, is that the mission requires a miracle. This mission fundamentally, its fulfillment requires the miraculous. What do I mean? So he he says, All authority has been given to me, and heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe. I can teach you, but I can't make you observe. Can I get an amen from some parents? Come on. Uh, there, there, There fundamentally has to be something miraculous take place in this discipleship thing that we're talking about. We think, well, if we can just get the right book, in, in discipling people, if we can just get the right course in order, if we can just find the right words to say to somebody, maybe I can get them to stop. Have you ever had to confront another believer and try to help them walk in the way of the scriptures, and, and you're just out of it? you you just nothing. You, you can't find the right words to say. It requires, listen to me, church, a miracle. That means it better be bathed in prayer. I spend as much time, just being honest here, as much time praying as I do studying for these messages. Because I know I can get up here and I can say whatever I want to say and I can, I can try to convince you in, in whatever clever way. I can try to con, you know, convey the words, but if, if the Holy Spirit isn't here doing a miracle, I'm wasting my breath and you're wasting your time. The mission requires, discipleship requires a miracle to take place. Because our goal is obedience. That's what observation means, by the way. He says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. What he's saying is obey. But see, we we want to separate, I love you. We want to separate the mission and the miracle. We want to make the mission effective without the miracle. So we buy into this thing called behavior modification. We buy into this thing that just says, all I'm going to focus on here is, is here's, here's how we say it, tell me if you've heard this, measurable, attainable goals. That way we can gauge how successful we are. Did you hear anything about all authority being in Christ in that statement? I've said many times, we are building this church the slow, dumb way, but it's the obedient way that we feel the scriptures have called us to. See, what we've done effectively with discipleship is not made discipleship, I love you, about observation, we've made it about memorization. I I have a son. He is my only begotten son in whom I am well pleased. And um, his name is Malachi. And and travel with me, if you will, for a moment, in in your mind. Hanging out with Malachi. And I go, I, I call Malachi to myself and I say, Hey buddy, I need you to take out the trash and put it by the street corner. And he hugs me and says, I love you, Dad. Thanks, buddy. Three hours later he comes back to me and goes, Dad! Hey Dad! The thing you said to me changed my life. Just rocked me, man. You know what I did? I memorized it. What? Yeah, you said, hey buddy, you call me your buddy. Just, it just, it was just so good. He said, You call me buddy. It means I'm your buddy. And and it just it just changed the way I look at you and it made me love you so much. And then you said, I need you to take out the trash and put it by the street corner. Yeah, dude, did you did you did you take out the trash and put it by the street corner? No, what I'm doing is I'm I'm having a study with some friends. (laughs) We're gonna get together. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dream together about what it would look like for our lives to be formed around the idea of being your buddy and putting the trash on the corner. We're even thinking about putting on a conference. Um a conference about buddy trash takers. So we're gonna call it buddy trash takers. And um and and I even was talking to LifeWay, I think we got a book in this, man. Buddy, but did you take out the trash? No, but I I memorized what you said in Greek. How many of you know? Come on, that's not the point. Buddy, take out the trash. Yep, that's what you said. But isn't that what we've done? Isn't that what we've done to discipleship? If our kids write it in cool fonts, no, it on pallet wood always. Um, we we can't we can't do this anymore, church. It's look, all I want my son to go do is take out the trash. He says, teach them to observe, not not memorization, observation. He wants us to, to do what he says. That's the call of the disciple. We've diminished the mission to make it independent of divine dependence. Because I can teach you to memorize a verse, but I can't teach you to obey a verse. Just do a class, read a book, memorize it, learn it in Greek, you're good. You did it. Check the box. not about that. It's about, it's about walking in the way that he calls us to walk. And here's the thing. Some of y'all right now, I can hear your brains. It sounds really legalistic. Okay. I beat you there. Obedience follows adoption. I'm going to say that again. Obedience follows adoption. See, this isn't legalistic because obedience follows adoption. He doesn't say Go, therefore, and teach them to observe all I have commanded you so that they will be my disciples. Did you catch that? He doesn't say, he doesn't do what religion does, which says, if you behave the right way, then you can belong to the family. He says, if you belong to the family, I'm committed to teaching you to live like the family. See, that's that's the difference. That's the commitment. That's why the gospel has to come first. For too long, we've got the discipleship piece in front of the gospel piece. When, when, when I tell, I love you all, when I tell some of my pastor friends about some of you people, he's like, how do you do church with people like that? <laughs> and I look at him and go, how do you do church without them? Well, no, I mean, our lives seem might be like kind of in a mess. So's mine, so I'm good with that. <laughs> We try to get this, we, we, we try to, we try to, the analogy I've heard before, I'm stealing this from somebody, I don't know who it is, but the, the analogy is we try to clean the fish before we catch the fish. Uh, yeah. It's, it's honestly, the, the place I go in the scriptures, it's one of my favorite It's one of my favorite things that I missed for the first like 30 times I read the story. How many of y'all have read or heard the story of Lazarus? Maybe you even know culturally the term a Lazarus means somebody who was raised from the dead. The story literally is that that Jesus has a a dear friend who he allows to die so that he can demonstrate his power and authority in raising him from the dead. And here's here's what happens. Jesus is there and, and they come to him and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I, I, I am the resurrection, so move the stone out of the way. Some of my favorite things. Do you know what they say? He's been dead for a long time. It's going to smell bad. And Jesus called down fire from heaven. And No, um, like Jesus just told him, like, you're going to see a miracle. I'm going to raise this dude from the dead. And they're like, but he's going to smell bad. Well, yeah, he's dead. That's what dead people do. They smell bad. But come on, how many of us have have, have thought, well, I would would reach out to that person and I'd preach the gospel to that person. Man, their life's a wreck. (laughs) I'd catch the fish, but they're dirty. Obedience follows adoption. The new covenant says, you are my family, therefore behave like my family. Not behave like my family, so I'll make you my family. Religion says behave, and then you can belong. Jesus says belong, and I'll teach you how to behave. Teach them to observe, he says, all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. I'm going to make a statement here, and you can argue with me after the service if you want to. Um, But there's not an area of your life, listen to me, there's not one area of your life, not one arena in the existence of mankind which Christ abandons us to our own fallen intellect. Jesus speaks to every area of human existence. He calls us and he gives us direction and he gives us guidance and he, gives, he, he guards us in all areas of human existence. You are not abandoned to yourself. That's the promise at the end. I'm with you always. Listen, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you because in, in, in obeying and in, in following what I've commanded you, I'm with you. So don't run off over here and think that if I'm over here, I'm alone, and I don't have any guidance, and I don't have a shepherd. No, he's a shepherd who guides us in all areas. I don't care what your struggle is. There is a word from God in that area. You're not abandoned to it. You don't have to figure it out on your own. If you are like me, that is good news. Because I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out on my own. And I'm so grateful that he just put it in black and white. Or if you're weird, black, white, and red. Because apparently the words that Jesus said when he was on earth are more important than the words he said when he wasn't on earth. Don't get me started about red letter Bibles. Um, (sighs) I have the rainbow one. Good for you. Um, Jesus says, look, go and teach them to deserve all the commands you because I'm with you Always. I've covered your life in my word, in my teaching. You're not abandoned, you're not alone. His word leads us in all righteousness, in all areas of life. Bible says that we should we should serve him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. That means there's nothing left out. Come on, church, this is good news. So so here's the other part of it: you're called to make disciples. That means you don't have to have had every problem. You just have to know where to go to find the solution to the problem. So you, I mean, this like some of the most amazing people who have discipled me and who've led me and who've transformed my life were never addicted to the things that I was addicted to. Never had the same struggles that I have. Listen, sometimes God will allow you to go through certain things so that you can lead other people out of that bondage. But just because you haven't gone through it is not an excuse not to help other people through it because he gave you the way to help them through it right here. And oh, by the way, I didn't put this on the slide, but I think because of our Sky Bible, you can see it still because I just heard somebody (laughs) Go like, yeah, I don't really think I'm really called to discipleship though because I really struggled my faith still. So I don't really think I have to do it. Still figuring my stuff out. Okay, cool. Um, Can you see the little fuzzy words up top? Do you know what verse 17 says? Resurrected Jesus, okay? Back from the dead God in front of them. They all worship, it says. But you catch what it says? (laughs) And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So he pulled them aside and and made sure that all their doubts were dealt with before he called them to go and make disciples. Does that fit in that period right there? Could we zoom in on it maybe? Is that there? No. Your struggle and your doubt is not an excuse to be disobedient. We're called to go. We're called to go. I said that Jesus says that we're adopted, therefore we obey. But can I, can I let you in on a quick little secret? I was taught, maybe you were different than me, I was taught this is a significant new covenant idea. That we're invited into the family of God and then he teaches us to live like the family of God. That it used to be, this is how it was told, used to be about law and now it's about relationship. Can I tell you something? That's nowhere in the Bible. If you back, back the story up, back, back it up to Exodus. Oh okay, yeah, the Ten Commandments, right? We all saw Charlton Heston. <laughs> right, like we, we, all saw, we all saw the movie, we all saw it. That he gave them a law. See, the Old Testament is about law. Yes, but what happened before he gave them the law? He delivered them from Egypt. He didn't say, follow the law and then I'll deliver you. He delivered them by his own authority, by his own power, in his own might, and then he started to teach them how to live like the family of God. Can I I let you know a secret? It started even before that. First he called Abraham. Then he gave him the sign of the covenant. He didn't say, hey, Abraham, I want to talk to you, but first you have to circumcise yourself. No, he invited him into the, into the family. He, he brought him into relationship. He said that of all the nations, I'm going to give those away, but I take Israel. That one's mine. Now I'm going to start working with him. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but it's, it's not about I got to earn my way back up into his good graces, and maybe then he'll let me be. No, 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 no. You're invited back into the family, and then you're taught. You're invited back into the family. But can I I go a little bit deeper? It started even before that. Before before Jesus and the cross, before Exodus, before before Abraham. Back it up. Genesis. Let us make man in our image. Let's grow our family. Let's, let's, Let's create man in our image. He made us. He didn't didn't require anything of us to create us. He made us for his own glory and for his own purpose. He made us, and then he said, here's the whole garden, here's what you don't eat, here's what you do eat. It's a lot like having kids. I feel like this is a theme this morning. Um, It's what you eat, it's what you don't eat. This is your purpose. Go and do it. And It's important for me to get there because here's what we have to understand, and this is what I missed for years. The great commission is not disconnected from our original mission, but it's the ultimate fulfillment of our original mission, which is go forth, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the world with my image, he says. So we're invited into the family, but how many of you know our image is still a little tweaked? <laughs> so we're taught to observe all these commanded. So we live like a member of the family. So when people see us out in the world, it's his image that they see. It's his likeness that they see. It's the fragrant aroma, the Bible says, come on, of heaven that goes everywhere we go. We're, we, we, are, we are putting up his image, not our image. This is why it's so important to me, two things. I know I've gone over two things. It's why it's so important to me that, that we, we hold this up. Because see, if it's his word, then it's his image that's being put forth, not mine. Because my image is, is not the image that we're called to fill the earth with. How many of you are thankful for that? And I'm just as thankful that it's not yours. It's his image. It's his likeness. It's his ways. It's his glory. It's why we can't get away from this. That's why he gives us a word for every area. So that everywhere we go, in any situation we find ourselves in, we know what his image looks like. Okay, that's what Jesus looks like. That's what I need to reflect. That's what I need to put forth. Not me. When I'm cut off in traffic, it's Lord bless you, not California. Howdy. Not that I've ever done that. I'm a Christian. I don't do that. See, the Great Commission is fulfilling our first commission. They're not separated. They're the same. It's also why we can't make the cross about us. It has to be about his glory. Do you see now maybe a little bit why we harp on this so much, so often, so consistently? Because you slip in this. And suddenly the Great Commission does become about behavior modification. It does become about us. It does become about just training up a bunch of people to act like good people. See, good people don't get the mission done. Hello, somebody? Good people don't get the mission done because the mission is God filling the earth with his image, with his glory, with his goodness, with his likeness. And here's the, 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 I gotta end here. This is the part that makes my brain go. He wants to do that in and through you. If that does not humble you, obedience I'm back to that whole miracle thing again I I can't do it I can't make that exciting to you but if you look at that I'm just gonna gonna say something that I'm gonna get myself in trouble about if if you hear that that God has invited you into the family and is engaging you in what I like to call the family business if that's boring to you if you're like "Mm, got anything else say it the nice way. I doubt your conversion. If, if engaging in the mission that God has had since before time began, if your invitation into participating in that mission makes you go like, it's kind of lame. I'd rather go to Silverwood. Like honestly, that kid that I was talking to, I was like, man, you missed out. You had a vacation when you could have been engaging in the eternal mission of God. I mean, you painted a school. That was good. But well, this, is, this, is, this is the 3D life. This is the exciting life. This is, this is why I can't do anything else other than this. This is why I refuse to make this church about snowshoeing clubs and underwater basket weaving classes. If we're going to do something, let's do this. I'm going to put another, if we're going to fail at something, let's fail at this. It's about discipleship. It's about making image bearers look even more like the image they bear. Let's stand to our feet. and' going to call the worship team up. If you're here and... I'm talking about bearing his image. I'm talking about this mission that he's called us to. And and maybe it it, it does even excite you. And maybe it does even make you want to participate in that. Here's here's where we have to start. We are all created. Listen to me. All of us created in God's image. But something happened. Bible calls it the fall. Where we as, as the created image bearers of God chose to abandon his image, abandon obedience, and do things our own way, in our own time, how we like to do them. First commandment, that first call to live like family, literally God said, I I, I made a whole garden that is super extra perfect for you to live in. But in that garden, I also put a choice of you picking for yourself what's right and wrong. Called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we decided, the Bible doesn't tell us how long, but I, didn't, I don't think it took very long. We decided we'd rather pick for ourselves what right and wrong is. So we ate the tree. The Bible says that sin entered the world, curse entered the world, fallenness entered the world. And we have been on a track since then of pulling further and further away, of trying to decide for ourselves what the image of God should do. Ourself, what the image of God should look like. Grabbing our own opinion over the revelation that God has given us in His Word. Not living the life that God has intended and designed and, and purposed for us, but living our own purpose and our own life and our own way. And the Bible calls that simply sin. Where we do not do the good we know we ought, and we and we do the bad we know we shouldn't. And it 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 tears us away from the the God whose image we bear and it, it mars that image. But at the very moment of our fall, at the very pronouncement of judgment on mankind, a promise was also given that one would come and take back all authority and defeat the enemy and pull us back into relationship with him and back into right standing with him. And that promise was fulfilled in Jesus. That's why He says, "All authority has been given to me." He's saying that promise that was made to great, 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 great grandpa, great grandma. I did it. I fulfilled it. All authority is back. The victory's been won. Now go out and tell everybody. The victory's been won. A way's been made.